Welcome to Voices of Enablement by Chitia Madi, an interview series focusing on the key issues affecting the enablement community today. It's a tough market right now. Organizations are cutting staff, pausing investment. How do you make a compelling case for the value of enablement is the question that we are seeking to answer. So our guest today is Scott Powell. He has served as a VP of Enablement at Optimizely and Handshake previously and brings a ton of experience into sales enablement and sales effectiveness. Welcome, Scott. Pleasure having you on the show. i love for you to introduce yourself. Thanks very much for having me here. I really appreciate the invite. Uh, yes, I'm Scott Powell. I'm the CEO of EnablePoint. My team provides enablement support with, for the people that need support without having to add additional headcount. So we do it on a contract and fractional basis. Um, as you said, I'm the former VP of enablement at both Optimizely and Handshake. In both cases, I was brought in as the first VP of those organizations for enablement to up-level the enablement function to be a strategic priority and build those teams. And so I have a lot of experience in, in building the teams, the functions, the, the technology, and all the support around the enablement function. And I'm a, I'm a huge fan of enablement, being a strategic enabler and being a, a force multiplier for people like the chief revenue officers and the people who are my customers. Those are the go-to-market leaders. So um, excited to talk to you today about the importance of enablement, especially in the recession. Absolutely, Scott, really excited about this. And the very first thing Scott said when I reached out to him was that I love to stand up for enablement. And he said, ever since there have been a layoff, lot of layoffs, a lot of CEOs have come to him for help that this is where we need help. And that's where I think the, your company is all about. So really excited to have this conversation. Yeah, and I've noticed over the time that um, that people have cut the teams back, but the major initiatives still need to get done. And so that's what we do is we come in and we run, run things for a project for a month or a project for a quarter. And it could be something like rolling out a methodology or getting a kickoff ready. And this will be my 10th kickoff that's coming up in, the, in February. So um, excited to be working on another one. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of other enablers will see a lot of value. Uh, again, as I said, Scott has a ton of information. So let's just get into this. Um, Scott, like as we already addressed, there have been a lot of layoffs and, um, you know, enablement is seen as a, as a cost center versus a force multiplier. There have been a lot of talks on how can you show the ROI of enablement. So the very first question I have is how do you elevate the role of sales enablement with the C-suite when many of the support functions are being cut? Excellent question. One of the things is to make sure that you have a seat at the leadership table. Ask yourself, are you attending the forecast calls? Are you meeting with the go-to-market leaders on a regular basis? And then most importantly, are you matching your metrics that you measure the enablement function by to what their metrics are? And I'll give you some examples, but I wanted to at least emphasize the point, be part of their plan and then bring them into your own planning when you're planning the enablement roadmap. Recently, I showed an enablement roadmap to a team, and it was the first time they had seen one that was charted out for more than, say, 90 days. We have product roadmaps, but you should also have enablement roadmaps so people know what's coming. And then um, articulate the value. You should shout it from the rooftops when it comes to show, sharing the value that your team is bringing. Frequently, enablement leaders will simply assume that everybody knows what their team is doing and the value that, that they're bringing. And then in hard times, all of a sudden, enablement is seen as a cost center. So let me share a slide that, uh, that brings these points out. Going to bring it into presentation mode here. Sure. Okay. So you asked the question about, um, you know, how do we uh, elevate the role of sales enablement with C-suite when many functions are being cut? I mentioned the seat at the leadership table. Um, get in there with the chief revenue officer, with heads of the other C-suite leaders, and understand their needs. Don't assume that they know what you're doing. That's where the articulating the value comes in. Make sure that you are shouting it from the rooftops and telling them exactly what what contributions you're bringing. And then when it comes to aligning your future metrics to those of the C-suite, have a conversation about how you're measuring the business, especially with people like the chief revenue officer. And then mm -hmm. get them involved in the enablement roadmap. 
I'm going to share some examples of enablement KPIs that I've used in the past, like um, sales rep ramp. Obviously, ramp is quite common. Productivity uh, is measured by bookings divided by ramp reps. Mm -hmm. And then time to the first deal. That's pretty common. But are we are we tracking that consistently over time in multiple quarters? Participation, mm -hmm. the percent of quota. And then here's a big one that I've seen in multiple organizations. That's contribution. The percent of people that have closed at least one deal in a given quarter. And then um, it's in sales rep generated pipeline. This is different than SDR BDR generated pipeline or partner generated pipeline. It's what are they doing to um, achieve a, a target goal of usually it's around 4X of their pipeline that they themselves mm -hmm. generate. And then lastly, what is the uh, conversion rate for opportunities close one? Now mm -hmm. those are enablement KPIs. Here's some sales KPIs that are frequently used in when I cross do cross-functional work with both sales and sales operations. The average mm -hmm. sales cycle, the sales price, the SPIF attainment, um, the number of people qualifying for that, the average tenure, time and seat, and mm -hmm. uh, repetition, the existing reps divided by the exiting reps divided by the total reps, and then mm -hmm. annual contract value. We want to see that going up. And yep. one thing not listed here is the ratio between new and existing business. We need we can't have a leaky bucket, so we need to have just enough existing business to keep the every, keep the lights on and make sure that we have recurring revenue. Awesome. Uh, and Scott, the all the all the metrics that you spoke about again. Um, you know, are all tying back to the sales velocity, um, you know, of the, of the reps. And that is what CEO and the Cigaro care about. A um, lot of enablement initiative that, you know, have been done in the past or the people that I've spoken to doesn't really have an alignment on the metrics that this is the impact that we are going to bring. You know, it's more about the, the training and, uh, you know, okay, this is what we are doing. Uh, I, I think that, that that is where the alignment on the metrics and the sales velocity outcomes that you are talking about were missing. And this is one way where we can elevate the role of enablement. That is where they will truly see you as a strategic partner versus somebody who is, probably just running the trainings or, you know, um, reaching out to the reps to, to, to do a particular training. So I think I'm exactly. sure this is something that is very helpful for the other enablement practitioners. Yeah. Don't be seen as the person who just schedules training. Yeah, absolutely. And Scott, one more question um, I have on this one is, um, I, I forgot, like, you know, I think somebody said to me that enablement is not responsible for sales, but they're responsible to sales. And it, it takes a tripod approach to uh, make any initiative successful. Um, you know, the sales management, um, the sales, the enablement themselves and, and, and the leadership. So can you talk to more us about the orchestration of the enablement initiative that you have to do? I know enablement has to do a lot of internal selling before they run any initiative. Can you talk to us more about the role of frontline sales manager or the leadership? How do you orchestrate this entire enablement initiative before running running one? Well, um, thank you. That's uh, an excellent question because um, I have three goals in enablement. And one is that my team is the customer success team for go-to-market. So I support beyond sales. I support customer success, partners, yep. um, uh, BDR, SDR function as well. And so their success is our success. I'm actually mm -hmm. compensated in, in multiple roles. I've been compensated on the success of the go-to-market teams. And so, so obviously um, I want them to do well. And so they're my customers. That's number one. Number two is to create an environment of continuous learning. And that's directly relevant to our, our discussion mm -hmm. today. Beyond mm -hmm. bootcamp. Making sure mm. that things are certification relevant. You design it mm. with the people that need it. Um, it's real time. It's not past its expiration date. And it's repeatable. If I do it for mm. the sales, I repeat it for the sales success team. And that way, you um, make raving fans of the enablement team with those go-to-market leaders that are saying, hey, he treats me like I'm a customer. He delivers continuous enablement. And he designs the programs with me. So it's real simple. And this is why I love enablement. I, I go to, an, a, say, a sales leader. We, we did, I ask them what they need. I go, they tell me that I go make it for them. We design it together and then we roll it out together. Like, okay, in this month, we're all going to do the training. And then mm -hmm. at the quarter end, I leave them alone. And then we rinse and repeat and we, um, we make improvements and, and roll it out again. 
And that's the cycle that I've developed with my go market leaders. Yeah, so I, I think again, um, I think I read somewhere it's the situation learning program. It's more about lizing with the sales leaders, identifying where the problem is. Um, is it more about, you know, running a, helping reps do more of a discovery, uh, better discovery calls, or you take one metric, like you said, and then run the entire initiatives, um, uh, you know, according to that. And then at the end of the quarter or end of the six months, you leave them alone because you have shown your impact and this is the value you have delivered. And then you move on to the next initiative. So I think again, coming back to the basics, alignment on the initiatives and the metrics, defining that before running out an enablement initiative is, is very critical. Yeah, and be the person they want to see, not the person that they groan when they see you and they think, oh God, here comes some more training. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I think, um, you know, the other thing that you mentioned was the, uh, it is going beyond sales, the customer success, as well as the other teams, the partners. And uh, again, right, where 50 to 60% of a lifetime, customer lifetime value is, we are getting from the, the customer success or from the partners. So I think that is where a lot of companies are not spending enough enablement efforts is to enable their partners or enable their uh, customer success teams. They're very much focused on the sales. So I think this is one because it's all about, especially in the SaaS world where the entire revenue enablement, you know, they bring in a lot of revenue. So I think that is another thing that sales, other sales enablement practitioners, they need to follow that not just look at sales, but also look at the other function, any, every customer facing role, because they are somehow responsible for, for, for getting more revenue. That's a very good point. Um, and, and first of all, whenever I, I have a function or a, a, an event, like a kickoff, I always survey the team afterwards. And if someone comes back yeah. and says, this was too sales specific, then we have mm -hmm. not taken care of that constituency, like the customer success team. Another thing mm -hmm. that I do is on my enablement teams that I've formed in the past is they're primarily people that have had customer facing roles so that they have mm -hmm. the credibility in front of that go to market leader, that that customer success enablement manager has been a customer success manager themselves. Yeah, yeah. And I think, again, that is where we are able to align everybody and we are able to complete the circle right from sales to, you know, again, the post sales, which is the customer success. So I, I think that is how the enablement program should be. Excellent. Uh, totally. Right. totally yeah. So that this next question, Scott, I have is, um, uh, we know revenue enablement is critical for the organization. I, I think the time lag is selling is tougher more than ever. Enablement support is required more than ever. So, you know, how, what, what do you think is the role of enablement in, in, in a current economic time like this? How do you think, you know, you can help the, the revenue organizations? Yeah, I think it's now more than ever is my attitude towards enablement, um, mm -hmm. because with the current economic environment, um, smaller teams um, have been a result of cutoffs, of cutbacks, and in, in, uh, not only enablement has been cut back, but sales teams have been cut back. And as a mm -hmm. direct result of that, you see territories that are getting bigger for some reps, you see quotas that are getting bigger, and yep. this actually increases the need for support and training. These people are um, more uh, re requiring of, of support than ever before. Um, mm -hmm. Also. Give me an example. We've invested a lot into sellers. Um, say you've um, run command of the message or medic training through, mm. um, through a vendor. Not cheap. It can be very effective, but it needs to be reinforced over time. If the enablement team isn't there to do that, who is? And then that means that you spend a great deal of money on something like a methodology, and then it's not being used. It's so common for something like an investment like that. One year later, um, it's not really being applied. The real test is, is it is it being applied in the one-on-ones between managers and their sellers? And then Re enablement reinforces the skills, but they also validate the knowledge and skills. Are we testing the sellers, the go-to-market teams for what they know? Or are we assuming that they know the product? Are we assuming that they know discovery and prospecting? And um, and then also, not only new sellers, but tenured sellers also need support at every deal stage. There's yeah. not one person in any organization that is perfect at every deal stage. And so we, we have very senior tenured reps that may need more help with discovery or, or prospecting. And so 
that comes to the one-on-one -on -one, um, tailored approach that I can talk about later. But the intent is to say, you do a, a concierge or a white glove approach towards everyone to find out what they need and then deliver it for them. The one thing you want to avoid is the one size fits all. Yeah, yeah. So again, this is one conversation again, I have with almost every enablement person that there's a forgetting curve. People forget 70, 80% of the information. So how do you reinforce that information? You know, when it is required is the role of enablement. It's not just about doing the initial training and then leaving them alone. It's more about reinforcement. I think that is where the real value of enablement or the optimum ROI of the enablement efforts will, will, will come. And that also brings me to the next question because it's part of your, uh, uh, you know, the, the point. In, in a time like this, not a lot of companies are hiring new reps. And we know enablement is not just about the onboarding. So what kind of initiatives can enablement support to tenure reps? Like how do you think can enablement support the tenure reps? You already touched upon the discovery things and everything, but we'll have to take more on this. Yeah, it's so it's interesting because so many organizations see enablement as being responsible for bootcamp or onboarding, mm -hmm. and they don't on that. As I said yeah. earlier, one of my goals is to go beyond um, beyond bootcamp to have an, create an environment of continuous learning. And mm -hmm. so when I was at Cloudera leading that team, I created this spectrum from hire to quota. And mm -hmm. um, on the left, you see new hire training. That's what people mm -hmm. associate with, um, with bootcamp boot and onboarding. Uh, but let's assume that that just goes away, that we pretty much are no longer doing that for this yep. recession. Period. Well, that leaves a whole lot left to include ongoing training. So, mm. To me, certification is that validation that we discussed. It's the flagship of ongoing training. It's proving mm. and validating knowledge. And then also, um, my enablement teams have frequently run not only kickoffs, but QBRs as well. So we're getting involved with the sales leaders and finding out what's working and what's not. We are linked at the hip with product training, especially when it comes to things like certifications. And then mm -hmm. competitive intel is your friend. This is something that's going to make a difference, especially in the recession. Mm -hmm. And then sprint training, um, we had a, when I was at Optimize, we would actually produce 15-minute videos each week to support and validate training. They were kind of fun. Like um, on Valentine's Day, we'd, we'd um, have a video about why we love our product coming from all the different leaders. And then um, we do win-loss analysis. We even discuss them openly on weekly calls um, yeah. with the deal teams. And then we survey the field a great deal to understand what's working and what's not. That's just ongoing training. And then mm -hmm. you get into what I call strategic enablement, going towards that quota. Account discipline mm -hmm. is the act of figuring out what accounts you're not going to go after. In many cases, uh, sales teams are chasing way too many accounts. So which ones mm -hmm. are going to get us to our next number? And then you enable around those accounts specifically. Leadership yeah. training, which is overlooked. And then I call this end-to-end, E-to-E, making sure that all the things that you see on this slide fit together so that um, the things that the customers are seeing is also consistent with our certification training. And then playbooks in multiple organizations like at Optimizely and at Handshake, uh, we've developed playbooks based on an industry or a persona, a one-stop shop where that rep, new or old, can go in there and find everything that they need to include competitive intel discovery. And then I mentioned the sales methodology, rolling that out is something that frequently falls under, under the responsibility of enablement. And then yep. stakeholder. Lastly is um, one of the most effective things you can do is interview the key stakeholders about what their needs are on a periodic basis. Don't assume everybody knows. Everybody talks about it, but who's capturing it? And that can be a key role that enablement can deliver. Yeah, so I, th I think this is again, strategic enablement, um, more about the data-driven enablement because you are leveraging the data before you run out any program or you go to the, the CRO or the sales leader that, hey, this is the initiative. You're coming going with a lot of insights, which they will not know. Sales leaders don't often you know, do the win-loss analysis and say, okay, this is the competency that we need to do for our reps. This is where when an enablement person is going to the CRO or, or the sales leader and saying, this is where we think the problem is and this is where the enablement can help. 
you automatically come across as a strategic partner you know this is how you again i coming back to the the basic question this is how enablement can elevate their role um you know by doing a lot of data driven uh, enablement exactly and then one thing i wanted to share with you um i'm a big fan of the enablement landscape report and this is from last year um it says that the most common ratio of enablers mm. to is 1 to 25 mm. well you're cutting back significantly and your enablement team is now supporting more than 50 people per enablement manager or enabler mm. themselves, then your team is just going to be forced to do triage. You're going to be forced to do just basic things as opposed to that strategic enablement that I showed on the previous slide. So be mm. careful if you cut back too far, because what I'm seeing now is that people cut back in enablement teams, but the initiatives still need to get completed. They still need to get done. And there's no one left to do them because they didn't think about what's the right ratio of enablers to the people they support. Yeah, I, I, again, this is the very first time I'm seeing this, um, uh, you know, maths that one is to 25 is the, is the ratio. I've often seen maths of the AE to SDR ratio and sales manager, frontline sales managers to the reps ratio. But I think this is great. Uh, a lot of, um, again, enablement as a function is not very old. It's it's a new function that came around 10, 12 years back. And maybe a lot of people don't have clarity on how many enablement people should I hire. They all end up hiring a lot of people and then also led to, you know, layoffs. So I think this is something a lot of other practitioners, again, will see a lot of value that this is the ideal ratio. It should be 25 reps into one enablement when they are planning for their enablement higher. Exactly. They may have cut back on enablement teams, but the revenue targets haven't changed. Yeah. Well, yeah. Again, like everybody's saying they are forced to do more with less. And uh, again, now more than ever, enablement needs to be there. It's not about, you can't hire a lot of reps today. It's all about how can you elevate one rep's performance or the performance of one rep, um, you know, to achieve the numbers that you have. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, all so, yeah, so the, the, the one question I have, um, again, I think we I touched upon this one, that enablement is not responsible for sales. They're not doing the sales, they're responsible to sales. So so I think in a world where every deal must be won, how can enablement team up-level up skills and make them more effective? Yeah, um, because one of the things that I wanted to do was making sure that, you know, hey, um, when you're working with senior people, um, yeah make them more effective and they as i mentioned you may have one of your top reps that still has gaps in their skill level and so mm. i begin with a seller health check uh first of all you need to validate their knowledge like we discussed um mm. have they proven the critical knowledge both the rep themselves need to assess their level of knowledge and the managers and mm. i'll show you a slide like this on knowledge levels because everybody comes to me and says scott we need enablement around this well what level of understanding do you need and um mm. So that everybody seeing this right now has heard that before. We need enablement around this. Um, mm. Next is um, making sure they're actually certified on the product, the process, and the systems. Um, mm. We frequently think they need to be certified on the product, but are they also mm. knowledgeable about the sales process? Have they demonstrated mastery of the sales motion that the company has adopted, if there is one? And then do they know their systems? Some people might need help with the systems that they use for reaching for prospecting, but they're afraid to ask. And so it's validating that they know that. And then mm. do that nothing is more reinforcing than having to produce um that demonstrate your knowledge of something in front of your peers mm. all of a sudden very very seriously so i find that solution presentation being certified in front of the peers is one of the most effective ways to make people do their homework and and get that uh, level of mastery yeah. and the second is what i called power of four um mm. it's a flexible support team first of all it's the rep um themselves doing a self-assessment like we talked about the manager looking at their pipe their deal quality and their areas of expertise and development that they need and then that's where the next person comes in the enablement team member is supporting that individual based on their specific needs and then um to determine what's needed and then uh, one thing that is frequently overlooked is showing them what good looks like through a proven peer 
And you have to be careful with a tenured rep. You don't want to bring someone in to say this. You're not doing it right. This person knows how to do it. But make it more of a collaborative exercise in which mm. a proven peer is sharing maybe with a group about how they did their prospecting and their discovery. And mm. on every organization I've been in, we've had a weekly meeting in which not just sellers, but the entire deal team would stand up and talk about how they won, not that they won. And I think sharing that knowledge is critical to making sure that people understand what good looks like. I think this is one um, thing in uh, people are again very smart. They know sellers love the spotlight. So yeah. I think giving them that platform to talk about how they won the deal, um, you know, again, it helps to run those initiatives themselves. Like the other people will see, okay, this is how they have closed the deal. Maybe there's something good in this uh, enablement program. So you don't have to run behind the sellers to adopt a particular thing. You know, the other peer sellers are, are doing the selling for you. And uh, the other thing is right. Again, coming back to the basics, doing a lot of, um, you know, analysis on what is required, where the problem is, like you're talking about, you know, how doing the health check on what do they know, what knowledge that, that they have before even proposing any, any, um, um, you know, initiative. So yeah, again, very good insight, Scott. Um, and I'm sure a lot of other people will, uh, will find it valuable. Thank you. And you made a very good point. They love the limelight. They like the spotlight. They also are very competitive. So yeah. you turn it into a, 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 you gamify their success by showing them what good looks like. And then other reps will say, well, I need to be that good. And yeah. that's what I want to, I want to match what good looks like. And that's how you can achieve success and enablement can help make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Scott, I think I, I, I know I have not been able to get out of all the information that you have. Um, you know, unfortunately we have a very short podcast on, on this particular topic, but um, again, I'm really looking forward to posting this. A lot of other enablement people will come, they will reach out to you. And I think that is where you can add more value. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of, it was a very new, fresh perspective on the maths that you've done. Um, again, pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for coming. And uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to publishing this and, and seeing the response. Thanks very much. I appreciate that. Just um, one quick note here is that, as I mentioned at the beginning, the layoffs have happened in many teams. Um, with people have lost headcount, but initiatives still need to be completed. And mm -hmm. um, my organization brings fractional skills and talent in the form of leaders and team members to complete mm -hmm. what you see here of examples of key initiatives that still need to get done. And so um, I welcome people to reach out to me if they need help, but they are not able to get the headcount to support it. So I want to thank you for this opportunity. Really enjoyed the conversation and um, appreciate the invitation. Absolutely, Scott. And uh, looking forward to, and I know, again, I know you are standing up for enablement. I like how you are helping a lot of other uh, leaders setting up the enablement process. Um, again, glad that I reached out and uh, looking forward to publishing this and, and see how it goes. Thanks. I'm a raving fan of enablement. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, absolutely.